The law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law, that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I do what I, when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I have, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. This is the word of God. Good evening, church. It is joy, a joy to be together, isn't it? Um, let's, um, let's pray. Before we pray, just to reiterate that the 31st of July, our AGM, um, I was thinking when Kyle was uh, asking me, what more do we need to say? By law, by constitution of our church, we, we're supposed to announce that we're having an AGM, but that's not why we announce. I think there's more to it than that. Um, God has been up to something in the wider community, in the different ministries here at the church. Uh, and so what the AGM is, is just basically looking at that, uh, thanking God for that, uh, and seeing what, what lies ahead. Uh, so please can I encourage you, if you consider yourself part of our church family, to attend that. It's straight after the 9.30 service on the 31st um, of this this month. Uh, only five months left till 2023. I wonder what happens to your 2020 plan. <laughs> I'm going to pray for us and pray that God will help us as we start off this new series, which is titled The Anatomy of Sin. And as we look at that uh, challenging passage. So please bow your heads as our leaders in prayer. Father, thank you so much for um, this, your church. Thank you that throughout generations you've been building your church and that as we labor tonight as we gather this evening we gather um, on the shoulders of those who've been um, before us we can observe their lives uh, and learn from them Uh, we stand father on the shoulders of uh, the great saints uh, of the faith that you gave and inspired to write uh, your word. And so this evening I pray that your word would speak and not myself, and that you teach us something of ourselves and something of you uh, so that we could um, go out there to live lives that would, would please you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, as we've been saying, we and as you can tell by the graphics, we are kick-starting a... A series will uh, dwell on it for the next three weeks. Uh, Gareth is uh, planning a new series, uh, which is our August series uh, on the book of Ruth, um, because it is 
August is Women's Month, and we just want to look at um, the Book of Ruth. So for the next three weeks, we'll pick it up, this uh, series, and then come back to it uh, after August. Uh, so please be uh, be praying for that. This uh, series, Anatomy of Sin, is actually a season two of uh, another series that we did, which is called The Anatomy of the Heart. Uh, you might remember that. I think it was about... Two years back uh, that we looked at the anatomy of, of the heart. So this is a, a follow-up from that. Um, but just to kind of brief you what the anatomy of the heart was all about, we were basically saying in that series that behavior is something that flows from the inside out. The way we live, the way we respond to God, uh, is not so much on the outward things, on obedience to certain rules and certain laws. Um, becoming a Christian, maybe you are new to the Christian faith, uh, maybe you don't know what church is about. Well, it isn't about a list of rules to follow, uh, but it is about a, a life that is transformed from the inside out. So that was what um, the anatomy of the heart looked at. It looked at how the human heart, uh, which is uh, our emotions, our very being, um, is the driving force behind how we behave and how we live. Um, if we not Christians, our hearts need to be transformed by Jesus to become Christians so that we can live for God. Uh, we also looked at the fact that the heart loves to worship anything but God. So that was that um, that series. And that when we do that, we behave in destructive ways uh, towards one another. So please can I encourage you to go back onto our website uh, and search, or to SoundCloud, search Christ Church Midrand, and then the anatomy of the heart. And I think it will just bring more light into what we're dealing with. Um, now, just to, as we start off, uh, we just want to explain what we mean by the anatomy uh, of sin. Uh, that word anatomy uh, simply means it comes from uh, just ancient studies uh, when people began studying the, the human body. It was the Greeks. Um, they used to dissect things. Uh, they used to dissect uh, human parts or they used to dissect animals. Uh, so it means to simply cut up something into pieces. Uh, why would they do that? Well, it was with a view to study the, the, the human anatomy and how the ins and outs of it work. How many of you are in varsity or were in varsity and studied our human anatomy? Well, not one of us. Um, so basically, that's where the word anatomy comes from. Uh, we want to cut up sin into small pieces. We want to chop it up in small pieces so that we understand it more. Why were the ancients trying to understand the human body more? Well, it was so that they would cure it if uh, things went wrong. Um, not only that, but they would know what it is that is wrong with the human body. And that's why we want to look at the, the topic sin. And I like Sean's prayer because he prays that tonight would not bring condemnation, but it would be yet another opportunity where we grow in understanding sin, um, how it function in its small pieces, uh, how it fits in together into our lives, how it influences us negatively, and how we can uh, basically, just like they studied the human body, to understand it so that we cure it uh, when we see it uh, in our lives. Uh, so we're going to be looking at different scriptures and the way they define sin for us. Uh, sometimes it's defined as slavery. 
Uh, we'll see that next week as we look at uh, chapter 6 of Romans as Paul talks about sin as uh, some form of slavery. And I think some of it comes up in our, our passage this evening, Romans uh, chapter 7, uh, how sin basically enslaves us and pulls us down. So that's what we're going to uh, see as we look at the anatomy of sin. Sometimes the Bible uses the word blindness uh, to refer to sin. And very often, blindness, as you read in the scriptures and the stories of Jesus healing people who are blind, some of them are born blind. Some of them don't even know that they are blind. And very often, sin blinds us to our blindness uh, that we are not even able to see it operating in our lives. So that's how sometimes sin is spoken of. Sometimes um, we see sin being spoken of as a predator, uh, something that's prowling, something that's waiting to pounce on you. And I wonder if you live the Christian life, if you ever feel like that. Uh, that sometimes you're just chilling, hanging out, minding your own business, uh, pleasing God, and then suddenly something happens um, Sin comes knocking at your door, uh, and you wonder to yourself, where in the world uh, did that come from? Um, now, the one thing that we want to do with that um, is to be alert. So if that's the reality of sin, how then do we live out the Christian life? How then are we alert um, as to how to live the Christian life? Um, a couple of years ago, when I played soccer, uh, yes, I did play soccer. I played defense. Uh, which is by far the best position. It's one of those positions that people don't see your work until you are flopping. Uh, so <laughs> the strikers get the glory, defenders just defend, and when the strikers flop, uh, it's on you. But one of the things that Rachel, this lady from the UK, she was our coach, uh, would teach us was to stand on our toes, uh, to be always on your toes, uh, because if you, if you just walk around um, and you are a defender you are never ready for somebody who might be just pouncing and coming from nowhere. So you always need to be standing uh, on your toes and moving around and ready for what will happen next. And I think that's in many ways the Christian life, uh, that we ought to be on our toes uh, when it comes to uh, to sin. We ought to be looking out uh, for sin and we ought to understand how it works in our lives. Sometimes the Bible describes sin as leprosy an incurable skin disease that makes you an outcast and that separates you and the relationships around you. A leprosy that is contagious, that people that you hang around with uh, catch what you have. Uh, so very often the Bible speaks like that. It speaks about being lost um, and all of those things. And we want to study it. Uh, we want to study sin, break it down into pieces and understand it so that we can be on top of it as far as um, it is possible with God enabling us. Now, now to quote a, a book that's not Christian, um, it's called, some of you might have read it, The Art of War. I haven't read it, um, but I knew that it, it has some rules of war. And this is what the, the author says about war, because I think when it comes to sin, not only do we need to keep a lead, um, but we need to remember that we're keeping our lead because this is not a football game. This is war. And this is what he says about the enemy. And this is the reason why, we, again, we want to study sin. He says, if you know the enemy and know yourself, this is not from above, right? <laughs> this is just a secular book that talks about uh, living life. Secular wisdom. 
If you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the results of a hundred battles. If you know yourself but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. Um, that's a non-Christian speaking. I think we can adopt those words to talk about sin, that we ought to know ourselves, how we function. We ought to know our enemy, which is sin, and how it functions in our lives. Uh, and we ought to uh, know it, because when the battle comes, um, if we know our enemy, we will not succumb uh, in that battle. So we want to study it. Because of those reasons, we want to study sin because we are at war. We want to study it because very often it is the thing that keeps us grounded, that keeps us grounded not in a good sense, but pinned down, weighted down in our growth and in our relationship with God. Uh, Sin weighs us down. And so we want to uh, know that very thing that keeps us um, from our relationship uh, with with God. One author says that sin moves us by drawing the mind away from God, enticing the affections, and twisting desires and paralyzing the will, thus stunting any real Christian growth. Uh, that's what sin does. It goes in deep into our lives. Uh, it twists our desires. It paralyzes us and keeps us from growing as Christians. Uh, so it is war, uh, but not only is it war, um, but it's also we're in a relationship with God, and we want to be growing, and we want to be identifying things in our lives that are keeping us from growing. Uh, maybe you feel like at this stage of your life, you got it locked down. You're not suffering, you're not uh, grappling with any sin, but you want to be prepared, right, when that moment comes. Uh, Because this guy uh, I was reading, John Owen, speaks of sin like still waters. Uh, What do they say about still waters? Anybody? They they run deep. Um, That very often when sin is silent in your life, it means it is going deeper and deeper. So you ought to be learning it. We ought to be on top of it. Uh, So that is why we want to study it. But you may be sitting there, you're new to church, and you're thinking to yourself, what are we even referring to when we're talking about sin? What is this thing that we're breaking into small pieces? What is this thing that we are trying to understand? Uh, when we speak about sin, um, Eddie Lombard, who, if he was here, he would tell us he does children's ministry. Um, and in children's ministry, they have this very helpful thing um, to describe a sin. Um, they, it's saying no to God, I'm in charge, and no to your rules. Um, so that is sin. Sin is this inclination that we have in all of us to act in destructive ways towards ourselves and towards others. Um, on the one level, there is sin. As God looked at the world that he created in Genesis uh, chapter 6, it says this, that the Lord saw that the wickedness of men was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Man's inclination is towards sin. Man's inclination is towards saying no to God and living for me. And when we do that, we act in destructive ways um, towards 
one another. A sin is the addictions that govern our lives. A sin is the things that break down relationships in our lives. Sin is what Paul, this man who was a Pharisee, a Pharisee is somebody who dedicated their lives to getting rid of sin, to wanting to please God, dedicated their lives to studying the law of God and what God requires of uh, his people. Um, but Paul had a conversion. Uh, Paul began to realize something about this law and these rules and the experience uh, that he was going through. Paul defines for us the power of sin at work in the life of a person. Somebody who knows what God wants uh, and yet continues to do something contrary to that. Uh, Have a look at uh, chapter 7 that was read for us. I hope you still have your Bibles open to Romans chapter 7, verse 14 to 25. This is another way... Uh, that Paul shed some light on as to what sin uh, is. This, uh, This inclination to know what God requires, to desire that, but to be powerless to do it. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not, I do not do what I want. But I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want to do is what I keep on doing. Uh, Paul is grappling here and has been grappling with uh, these people that he's writing to concerning the law of God. Um, He's writing to a mixed crowd of Jewish people who had the law and Gentile people who didn't have the law. And he's talking about that law, uh, that law that says uh, God said you must do one, two, three. Um, And he says, as he looks at that, he desired that. He desired to carry it out, but he sees that in his life, he has the, you know, he's unable um, to carry it out. He's seeing this grappling in, within himself, that the things that he wants to do, he doesn't do. But the very things, the things that he wants to do, he doesn't do. But the very things he does not want to do, he goes on doing. Um... I wonder, I think you guys are spiritual. You've never experienced that, right? You've never experienced uh, that feeling of wanting to push towards God, uh, to push towards the things that he calls us to, um, and find yourself failing time and time again. Now, if you're new to church, uh, the Bible calls that sin, and sin is rooted in us. Sin is something that it's a power that is operating within us uh, that enables us, or disables us, rather, cripples us from carrying out the will of God in our lives, uh, enslaves us to behave in destructive ways towards one another, uh, to say no to God uh, and no to his, his rules. Just think of your own life if you've been a Christian for any minute. How many times have you said, I'll never do that again? How many times have you promised God 
uh, after that time that I'll never be, I'll never do that again. How many times have you promised yourself (laughs) to never go back there again? How many times have you convinced your accountability partner that I will delete the Tinder app because I'm meeting guys who are not Christian and girls who are not Christian? And I need accountability in this area and found yourself that Saturday on Sunday after church on swiping. What is it? Where do you swipe? Okay. I was trying to find out uh, who, who we need to draw out from the, uh, the pit of sin. Um, I'm not saying Tinder is a sin. It can lead to destructive ways, right? Um, people are looking for hookups. We live in Midrand. We live in Jovek. Um, we are adults, and that is all that is And that is how life is. How many times have you promised yourself perhaps you struggle with road rage? Um, I remember this one time I was so angry. Guy cuts me off on my way to to Auckland Park. I flick lights at him. He stopped next to me, walked out. He was, I'm like, there's three black guys in this car. And this guy walks up to us. He clearly is confident, so I'm not going to engage him. (laughs) I drove off. My heart was beating, and I'm like, why in the world were you flaking lights? If you had just left him uh, to do his thing, none of that would have happened. Uh, You almost got killed because of your anger. How many times have you promised yourself that I'll never be angry again in traffic and found yourself again back there? It is the sin living in us, sin uh, that while we know what is good for us, uh, we carry on doing things that are destructive uh, to us. Uh, Paul goes on to speak more about sin and sheds light onto sin as he speaks of it as um, the human side of us, the inclination, the flesh uh, that keeps on disobeying God. If you have your Bibles, uh, please open to Galatians um, chapter 5. Paul describes sin, the works of the flesh, the works of sinful, broken uh, human nature. Again, we're just simply introducing the anatomy of sin. We're breaking down sin. We want to understand what sin is. Um, Chapter 5, verses 19 um, to 21 Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, does that sound like, as we read through that, anything that you experience, does it sound like mid-rent 2022? Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, that is the worship of um, other gods, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, and one Um, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. I wonder if you think of your own home um, or your office space. Um, Does this ring true of where you are? Verse 21, envy, uh, that is the desire for what the other person has, drunkenness, orgies, and and things like this. Uh, So Paul goes on to bring it down to us and say, this is what um, it looks like when we say no to God. This is what it looks like when you follow what he calls the flesh. What is the flesh? The flesh is 
our human side, and our human side is inclined to doing these things. Uh, And when you put people together who function from the flesh, we get a society that looks like this, uh, that has all these things. In fact, um, a couple of weeks ago, we were reading this, um, this, this passage, and I asked one student to read it, and he went around when he, went, when he got to orgies, he was like, orgies! Like, he was so shocked uh, that it's in the Bible because he thought that that's the midrand thing. That's the, that's the thing that only happens on campus. But the reality is the world that Paul wrote into is the same world that you and I live in, a world that wants to reject God, a, a world that doesn't want God in the picture. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about sin. Uh, sin is a rejection of God. Um, sin is a power that works within us uh, to reject God even more. Uh, sin is the very thing uh, that leads us to behave in destructive ways to one another. If you read that list in Galatians, um, you see that if you just live these things out, um, you'll have a society that is just broken. Uh, a society that is destructive. Um, so what we want to see, one thing that we want to see, especially as we look quickly at Romans chapter 7, is that sin has deep roots. And unless you dig it up, it will always pin you down. I came up with it. It was from the Lord. <laughs> sin has deep roots. Unless you dig it up, it will always always pull you down. And so that's what we're going to look at for the rest of our time. Um, One, that sin has deep roots. Two, and those uh, two points are going to be brief. Two, that we need to dig it up in our lives. We need to be digging it up or else it will be destroying us. It will forever pin us down. It will forever lead us to more and more disruptive ways and number one, sin has deep roots. And I think we've already seen that as we looked at Romans chapter 7. But look at verse 20 with me. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Paul speaks of sin as something that's so deeply rooted in us. When you look at your world, um, very often it's easy to see the brokenness out there, isn't it? Uh, But it's very hard to often see that sin, that the brokenness is actually inside. It is inside of us. It begins with us. And Paul speaks about this grappling between knowing what is good, yet not doing that, Uh, finding himself loving what God wants him to do, but ending up doing what he wants to do. And he's pointed to the fact that there's a a power deep inside of you, working inside of you, and that's the power of sin. Uh, Sin pushes you. uh, Sin leads you away from God. Uh, Sin is deeply intertwined with who you are, your very personality, um, your history, the world you find yourself in, but your own, most of all, inclination to love the things that your world presents to you. Have a look at verse 21. So I find it to be a law 
that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Verse 22, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin. And again, he says, that dwells in my members. This power that is at work, that is at work in each and every one of us. Now, I want to encourage you because we live in a discouraging world, and I want to say nice things to you because you all look beautiful. You paid um, money to come here, uh, expensive. It is expensive to travel to church. So I appreciate that you came in, um, but the Bible says that within us, as beautiful as we are, there's sin working in us, meaning that we are sinners. Um, And very often that's not encouraging, but we need to realize that. We need to know that of ourselves, because when we do that, when we know ourselves, we will better engage um, our sinfulness and our brokenness. Uh, So there's something at work within us, uh, and it is sin, and sin is corrosive. Sin is destructive. You might not see it, at work in your life, uh, but very often it just works behind the scenes uh, to destroy you slowly. A couple of years ago, almost five years ago, my wife and I got, got excited. We wanted to be adults now, and we decided that we want to buy a flat. First time, first time buying a flat, um, and it was it was an exciting thing. We were young, naive, excited, um, still in the honeymoon phase. For me, it lasted about a long time. <laughs> um, but I remember we called up this, um, a friend of us uh, saw this nice place and said, call this agent, um, she'll come and show you. Uh, we went there, it was exciting. I went in there. And I could see myself there. I saw that loft area, and I'm like, shucks, that's going to be my man cave. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. But what was happening, uh, because the agent wants to sell, is that they don't tell you everything that is wrong with the place, right? And you are stupid and excited, so you are buying into all of the good stuff, right? Um, so that's, that's where we were. And I thought I was objective um, because I brought people to come see this place with me. Um, But very often, this is a by-the-way comment, sometimes we make decisions and then invite people to those decisions, not because we want their opinion, but we want them to validate what we have already, uh, the decision that we've made. Amen. That's another sermon for another day. Uh, (laughs) We get into our point here. Um, So we come in, I bring these guys, and they're like, it is wonderful. I'm like, that's what I needed to hear. Um, uh, let's let's do this thing. Uh, let's uh, buy this thing. It looked beautiful. Um, the stuff looked beautiful on the outside. Um, but one and a half years into it, I saw paint starting to bubble. Not just in my own flat because there was a leak in there, but everywhere in the complex. And I'm like, what in the world is happening here? What we didn't know at that stage is that there was a like them proving that went wrong with the house. They didn't construct it properly. So sometimes water goes up, and you don't see it working, but it's in there. It is working, and after some time, it bubbles up. 
Now here's what we do when it does that. What do we do? Gather at the AGM. Guys, this complex is falling into pieces. We don't have money. Let's hire someone from the streets to just scrape it off and just paint it. And that's what, that's what we did. Uh, scrape it off, paint it, and guess what happens? It comes back and back again. It comes even worse um, because there's something inside of it working, corroding it. And very often sin works like that in our lives, that you don't see it. You see the beauty uh, in your life. You don't see that there's something slowly destroying you. And you put patches on it. Um, you put temporary solutions on it. But the reality is that that sin will always flare up uh, because sin runs deep. Amen. Sin runs Deep. Here's one, what one um, author says regarding our behavior and the temptations that we face. He says that temptations and occasions put nothing into a man, but only draw out what is in him before. The stuff that happens to us are not the primary cause of our bad behavior, um, there's something within us already, and temptations, the temptations that we see just bring out who we are. Sin runs deep in our lives, and very often we don't see it, and very often we just chilled about it because it's not destroying me now. It's not destroying me now. Um, so I'm not going to dig it up. But what we learn from the scriptures is that we do need to dig it up because if we don't do that, it will lead to destructive ways. And that's our second point, um, that sin, number one, sin runs deep. If you don't dig it up, it will pin you down. Um, sin has deep roots. Unless you dig it up, it will always pull you down. Um, one of the great authors, and if you want to read more, <laughs> a guy called John Owen is brilliant, and I've been reading a lot of John Owen. Um, when you have been a Christian since the age of 14, very often your heart grows colors, uh, just like, ah, we Christian go to church, nothing really revives you. John Owen has really revived me, because John Owen speaks of the mortification of sin. Uh, that's a fancy way of saying putting to death sin. And this is what he says about putting to death sin. Go Google John Owen. Uh, he says, do you mortify? Do you make it your daily work? Be, be always at it whilst you live. Cease not a day from this work. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. As long as you live, as long as you go to Vora World and you crunch codes for them, as long as you're stuck in the N, on the N1 or New Road, as long as you're still complaining about the price of fuel, it means there's life in you. And as long as there's life in you, there's sin that wants to destroy you and wants to kill you. And as long as you've come to trust Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, you ought to be putting that sin daily, he says, to death in your life. That is what the scriptures call us to. That is the reason why Paul engages uh, with this idea of sin at work in us. It's not just to let us know that it's at work, 
but he wants us to turn to somebody who's going to help us put it to death in our lives. And we're going to see that as we end of our time together in verse 24 to 25. We ought to be putting to death sin in our lives. It is an ongoing daily thing. Otherwise, it will be pinning us down and destroying us slowly. I just want to do two last things. I want to give you two pictures and then end off where Paul ends off in verse 24 and 25. These two pictures are a picture of how we put to death sin in our lives. Very often we behave like this. (laughs) The one tree, so it's two trees. The one tree is a tree of sin uh, because Galatians chapter 6 speaks of sowing into the sinful nature, meaning sin is something that we nurture, right? So we don't see a plant growing, do we? Uh, We don't see it growing, but it, it grows for sure. Think of a tree. Think of a tree of destruction. Because we live in an instant age, we don't often see sin long-term, a long-term view of sin. Um, An old preacher at our men's breakfast said, what kind of old man do you want to be? And I was like, what? Okay, the things that you do today, the habits that you form today, I'm going to, it's you sowing into something, uh, something that grows slowly but surely. Something that grows over time, it might be that anger. You think, wow. It's not, it's not bad. One of the, the things about sin is that you do it and it's like, nothing strikes you. Like, nobody strikes you. You don't fall, drop down, dead, right? And that's the deceit that you continue. We continue to do it because we don't see it as a long-term thing. Uh, we see the consequences. Very often we see it in the here and now. So the first tree is that tree of sin that it grows slowly but it grows surely. The things that we sow into, if we continue to sow into sin, if we continue to not put it to death in our lives, it will grow, and one day it will become a tree that we cannot get our heads around. It starts off small, doesn't it? It starts off as a a harmless website, goes to a harmful website, goes to infidelity. That is how sin works in our lives. And I've sin lives that have been broken over the years because sin grows slowly. So I'm saying that so as for us to be alert and to remember to not be fooled by our sin. The other tree is for your encouragement. It is the tree of Christian growth. It is the tree of what Paul is calling this Christian's Two in Romans, Paul reminds them of what Jesus has done for them so as to call them to a life of repentance and faith. And very often, the other three, because it also takes time, we lose heart, especially if you are a Christian, right? Been to Bible study, you've prayed so much that God will help you in that particular area of your life, but you keep falling in the same area, and it just feels like there is no growth. Now, Christian growth also happens 
like a tree. It is organic. It grows. And I wonder if you've ever seen, um, this is a village illustration. Um, if you know me, I have lots of them. <laughs> we used to plant maize. Around November, you plow the fields, you plant the maize, and as you're planting, think of your Christian life, you go to Bible study. It seems, sometimes it feels like, ah, what did I learn at Bible study? Sometimes it feels like, shucks, work has been hectic. I don't want to go to Bible study because I don't see the immediate result. Anyway, we'll plant before the rain seasons. And then what happens after you plant? Uh, those nasty chickens come and they pick out uh, the, <laughs> the corn because that's their food. That's what we feed them. So you have to shoo away those um, those nasty chickens. And very often that's what needs to happen in the Christian life, uh, that the word that is planted, uh, the Bible study that you go into, you go to Bible study, then you face the temptation. You need to remember that you, you sow the seed. It will grow. After you chase the chickens, the rains, you wait. Sometimes they're not coming. Have you ever felt like that in your Christian life? Where you're just like, I don't know if God is going to come through for me. I don't know if I ever grow because it doesn't look like the rains are coming. Uh, but then God opens the heavens and it rains as it did always in the northwest. Uh, and it would rain and rain. And then after it rains, as a young kid, I would used to look up outside and think, well, nothing's happening. Um, it does feel like that sometimes, doesn't it? Uh, that you look at your life as a Christian, nothing's happening. Isn't it discouraging? On and on the rain comes. Uh, two weeks or so into it, little shoots come up. That is the science of life, and that's how Christian growth happens. Think about the things that you used to desire, uh, things that you used to run to, that you don't do those things anymore. You need to celebrate that because it's God working to bring about growth in your life. Two months into it, the corn grows. I don't know how long it takes. Um, it grows, and then you think to yourself, wow, like it looks nice, but there's no nothing to eat there. And on and on it goes. It takes time. And then you have little shoots of um, corn. And then you open it. <laughs> it looks like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's scattered everywhere. It just doesn't look like anything worthwhile. Sometimes it feels like that in the Christian life. That when am I going to produce the fruit? But the fruit is sure. Because God brings about the rains and he brings about the growth. But it takes time. So be encouraged wherever you may find yourself. Maybe you are discouraged. Be encouraged that Christian growth happens and that you ought to be sowing in your Christian life. You ought to be doing the things that God is calling you to do. You ought to be plugged in into that community. You ought to be confessing your sins to one another. Much as sin looks like it's defeating you, there is something happening. Amen. Now, how does this growth happen? And I think the words of Paul in verse 25, 24 to 25, as he grapples with these challenges, listen to what he says as we end of our time together. 
As he looks at his life, he says, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thanks be to God. Because in chapter 3, he said that it is God who brings us to himself. It is God who makes, who brings us growth. It is God who calls us to a life of sowing, not in our sinful nature, but in our spiritual nature, our new nature if you're a Christian. And if you're not a Christian, this should be your cry. As you look at your own life, you should be saying, wow, I'm so wretched. Who will save me? We thank God for Jesus Christ who brings about the salvation, who brings about transformation, who changes us slowly from the inside out. And our job is to continually look to that Christ, to look to Jesus. I'm going to end off with two quotes. Um, one is also from a hymn that talks about us turning our eyes on Jesus. It says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And for the next two weeks or so, we want to see the glory of Christ and the grace of Christ that empowers us to live the Christian life. The other quote says, On Christ's glory, I would fix all my thoughts and desires. And the more I see the glory, see of the glory of Christ, the more the painted beauties of this world will wither in my eyes. And I will be more and more crucified to this world. Being crucified means to put to death your old self, to mortify sin, uh, that lives in you. It will become to me like something dead and prudent, impossible for me to enjoy. May God bring us to that place where we enjoy him more than we enjoy our sin. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this opportunity that we have um, to look at your word and how it warns us of the destructive nature of sin um, Father, I do pray that you'd help us to, to be mirrors or to bring other people alongside of us who will be mirrors to our own brokenness, who will be praying with us, who will be walking with us, who will be challenging us um, to live for you. Father, I pray that this evening we would realize that we are broken, that in of ourselves, apart from Jesus, we cannot live lives that glorify you. And so I pray that the reality of what Jesus did for us in his death, on our behalf, in his resurrection, that we would remember and realize how much it took to put to death sin, and that we would be empowered this week to seek you, to put to death sin, and to see the beauty of your law. So do aid us, we pray, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.